Hello and welcome back to In The Clock End, an Arsenal podcast with me, Steve. Unfortunately, Calvin can't join us tonight. Sunday's defeat against Manchester United was it was too much for him to take, so he's, he's taken himself away to Paris for the week uh, with, with his lovely wife. So we wish him all the best. But joining me instead, I've got the man with the silky notes. It's James. Good evening, James. Evening, mate. Yeah, really disappointing not to see uh, Kelvin tonight. He thinks that uh, Disneyland is the better place to be right now. But to be perfectly honest, after Sunday, I think he's got the right idea. I think he needs to get his priorities in in, in order, to be honest. Um, anyway, how are you? Are you all good? Yeah, good, mate. All things considered, yeah. Obviously disappointing on Sunday, but no, it's been a good week so far. And um, always look forward to chatting through some Arsenal with you and, you know, I see it as a bit of, you know, post-match therapy, really, especially when you've a been bit through therapy. a loss. Yeah, just a bit of counselling. Well, that's what we're yeah. here to do. Um, so let's dive into the, the, the Sunday game. Obviously, you went up there. Give me the lowdown. How was it, mate? Yeah, you know, all things considered, it was a really good away day. It did have the feeling of being a really good away day and a really special day right from the beginning you know early morning train beers there's always always a good start and then there was a really good atmosphere up there we were drinking around Salford Keys and uh it was a bit of an away, a weird away bar up there it's um all just a little bit nice a little bit fancy up there considering you you're in Manchester but no really good atmosphere plenty of singing plenty of um sombreros flying around and yeah there was really good atmosphere before the game and that continued into the concourse and I mean you'll know Steve you've been there before it's a really packed tight concourse it really is small up there so uh, you can generate a lot of noise really quite quickly and um, no it just seemed to be a good atmosphere all around really I think people really were up for it they'd obviously been encouraged by our strong starts of the season so far and um, it had all the makings for a really, really good away day. Seeing plenty of those, um, obviously, classic Old Trafford gold away shirts, you know, the Sylvan Wiltor vibes as well. That was always lovely to see as well. Saw a, quite a nice Danny Welbeck third shirt as well. That weird Puma one we had when he went and scored there as well. So, no, it looked like a good time. I'm not going to lie. I did have a little bit of FOMO throughout the day I, I was I kept seeing like your story James's story uh Tom's story I was like fucking hell <laughs> give it a rest uh it was my own fault I could have gone I chose not to um to be fair kind of glad I didn't after after the result um I don't know how you felt beforehand like along with like I'd say Tottenham it's on par with it's that game that I just hate to lose I dread it it's I never really get nervous for football games but this one you know, even like listening to you guys on the pre-match pint, well, sort of post-match Villa, you were talking about like you weren't particularly confident. And I was like, you know what? I feel that. I didn't feel confident at all going into this game. Um, you know, not not to mention the fact that we potentially was, you know, uh, Zinchenko was was rumoured to be out again. Ben White, Ramsdale, Odegaard. Fortunately, they, they did play. Whether they were rushed back, I guess we'll never know. But I just felt like, you know, Old Trafford, unbeaten, here we go again. Yeah, when you looked at that starting lineup, there was definitely a few surprises there. I mean, I didn't expect Zinchenko to be starting, for example. It was really good to see him there. There was obviously some rumours about Ramsdale not being there, some rumours about Erdegaard being there. So, 
like like you alluded to, whether they're all 100% fit or not, I'd still rather have them start from the beginning. And um, yeah, it was it was confidence inspiring just seeing those names on the team sheet. And yeah, it's a weird one, Man United. Like you say, it's I think it's because when I was growing up, you know, similar time to you, I think Spurs were just irrelevant. Like you know, we were so much better than them. And I think that obviously every year it was us against Man United. It really was those games that were going to decide the title. And I think. You know, over the years, we haven't got the better of them. They've got the better of us so many more times. And I think even though it's a new squad, new manager, I still think that hangs over the club a little bit. And I think that Mm. we just can't seem to get rid of that mentality of something that just holds us back going to Old Trafford. I mean, we won 1-0 there, didn't we, a year or two ago? But I believe that was when um, fans weren't there. No fans. Yeah, so I think that makes a big difference as well. But no, early stages, like, Obviously, they came out and as the home team would do, and we kind of managed to hold that initial Man United pressure. But then from 15 minutes onwards, we were the better team and we were really getting quite excited that, you know, that we could be onto something here. Dare I mention the the elephant in the room, the the opening goal of the game that, that was chalked off. Um, first and foremost... I will, I, will, I, will, I will say this, right? I think, and we could talk about it for days, I do think it was incredibly soft. I will agree it was soft. But I think if it goes the other way, we'd probably be screaming out for a foul. I'm not, I mean, I say that, the more I watch it, the more I'm sort of like, I'm, I, I, I'm like a Calvin. I'm on the fence. Um, my, my, my bigger issue with that incident was the fact that the inconsistent nature um, throughout the game, you know, there were, there were, there were multiple times where, you know, like um, Saka went over, um, Eddie and Katie went over. Yeah, uh, Gabriel Jesus was getting bundled over constantly. And earlier, earlier in the day, we saw Leicester score a goal, um, and it was a very similar tackle in the in the build up to the goal, and that and it was fine. Okay, and that's fine. I have no issue with that. But then you've got to you've got to be consistent with that. Um, and it, it was such a shame, wasn't it? Because it was such a nice goal, and Gabby took it so well. Yeah, I mean, we were falling over each other. I mean, the thing that annoys me as well is that it's getting to a point now where I mean thankfully I think we were so taken up by all the emotion that it didn't affect us celebrating that goal but you're getting to the point now where as an away fan or a home fan you can't celebrate a goal because you're already thinking in the back of your head what's this going to be chalked off for you know and it just feels like we're getting to a stage now where they're just looking for reasons to chalk off goals. And that's not what it's about. That's not what football's yeah. about. That's not what going to the game's about. We're there, you know, in a relatively low scoring sport to have these moments. And I just feel like more and more of these moments are just being taken away from us. And it's like you say, it's just the inconsistency. And for me, you know, to hit the absolute nail on the head is that whether it's a foul, whether it's not a foul, that's irrelevant for me. The thing that you talk about more than anything in my head is that, was it clear and obvious? And for me, if so many people have an opinion on, was it a foul or was it not a foul? Then that's your answer. It wasn't clear and obvious. And VAR was brought in for, in my eyes, clear and obvious decisions. And, you know, if the referee hasn't given it on field, then that goal should have been given. Like you say, it was an iconic moment. It really would have brought us on. It would have took us forward the rest of the game. Like, I think that goal goes in. There's no way we're not winning that game. I honestly think we would have gone on to win that game. But goals change games. And, you know, 
goals being disallowed, they change games even more. Well, I mean, amongst many things, one of my issues with it is like the referee has a great view of that. He's right in front of it. And if he thinks that's a foul, that's fine. You pull it up before the play continues. To, to, to be told you've got to go to the screen to check something you've just seen, which is like yards away. Do you think it puts pressure on the referee as well? I mean, these on-field decisions, which, you know, over the weekends, you've seen that a lot of these on-field decisions were the correct decision. And then when it gets referred to VAR, they get told to have a look at the screen. You know, that puts immediate pressure on these on-field refs, in my eyes, to change their decision. And yeah, that, know, it shouldn't be like that. Almost second-guessing themselves, right? Um, moving on into the later stage of the first half, we, we went behind. I don't know, we lacked that sort of killer instinct. We started so well, and then we set off them a little bit. And... Um, you could, I, I don't know, I could already see it coming before it happened. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I get that completely. I mean, we'd had a lot of good build-up play. We'd had a lot of touches in the box. We'd had a lot of opportunity, but we just hadn't pulled the trigger. We hadn't, you know, given ourselves the opportunity to get that first goal. And like you say, you know, if you don't take those chances, if you don't give yourself the opportunity to score, then you're never going to go in front. And for me, the goal was a bit of a frustrating one because, you know, I don't want to be overcritical, but having had a look back at it, I think one of the big major things for me is that you'll see Gabriel, he's got two choices. He either makes the challenge, commits, and once he's done that, he has to win that ball. He could have easily have kind of stood off. You know, we had a, a block of defenders there. You know, we were marking well with good bodies behind the ball. But the minute he doesn't win that ball, that's when chaos comes in, all right? And that is when the gaps appear and that is where they're able to play it around us. So, you know, I don't want to be too critical because I think overall, you know, since he's been in an Arsenal shirt the last year or so, he's been absolutely solid. And there has been a few moments here or there. I don't know, maybe I'm being a little bit too harsh on him, but I just feel like if he would have just stepped off a little bit there, kind of not gone in all guns blazing, it might have been different. Dare I say foul little soft I, I mean, don't know it I mean just... the finish itself is good I mean it, it 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 was a cracking finish I mean it was annoying because you know he spent that first half waggling his foot around over the ball and you, you know it didn't really he didn't look like he was gonna do much and then obviously pops up with that goal and you know that really got the crowd up after that because at that point they hadn't made any noise whatsoever I heard it was rocking at Old Trafford on, on the weekend, was it not? Oh, no, the away end was rocking, but genuinely, and we were sat at the metro station afterwards, not metro station, what am I talking about? Um, tram station after the uh, game, and we were chatting to the United fans, and yeah, they had the same opinion as us. They said that Old Trafford's, you know, hasn't been loud for years and years and years, and they were the same, you know, opinion of us, that they could hear the, the, the Arsenal fans throughout the game, but there weren't much of a Man United sport there, but that's by are the you by sure they were, Are you sure they were Man United fans? They sound like they were being quite civil. It was a rather weird conversation. I mean, we must have picked them. I mean, the fact that they were coming to talk to us about the game and not just uh, giving us abuse probably give you an idea of what kind of people they were. But I don't know. It Literally. was a big mo- uh, It was a big moment in the game. And I think once you've gone 1-0 down at Old Trafford, it is a real mountain to climb, isn't it? But... I didn't think we were out of it. I thought we had enough to get back into the game. But, you know, 
I really wanted one just before half time, and I think that would have changed it all. But um, but look, it, it didn't take us a, a massive amount of time to get the this the goal back in the second half, and I really thought we could build on something. I think you're you're spot on in terms of like throughout the game, not just in the first half, we we fucked around with the ball way too much in that final third. Sorry for my French there, um, but we were just we've seen it a few times this season where we just don't shoot. We, we take that one extra pass, that, that one too many touches. It's old school Arsenal, isn't it? It's like like maybe searching for the perfect ball, the perfect pass. And, you know, there's been goals this season where we've had a go. It's taken a nick, it's taken a deflection and it's gone in. I just wish we'd do that a little bit more often sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. And we don't. And at half time, you know, I, I just was like, it's such a bogey team for us. I really feel like it, not so much at home because we've got a quite a good record at home against them, but away at their place, I don't know what it is about them. Um, but like you said, we've got the goal, you know, a bit of luck. Yeah, rebound. And it come, yeah, and it comes to Saka, you know, he's in the right place. You know, he's got himself into a dangerous position. Good finish. And, you know, the away end, again, it, it were rocking at that point. He scored right in front of us. And I don't know, you... Okay, well, you say at half time you thought we were done. When that goal goes in, what we what are you thinking then? We were all over them. We were the far better team, and this is where it all went. Where it all went wrong, really. Like people talk about the substitutions. I don't think that's that was the issue. The, the issue was, you know, what was the plan? Right? It's one one. We're in control. We're the better team. Just carry on with what you're doing, right? And the fact that we have played to such a high line, you know, it's. It, you're asking for trouble. Like, you know, they've got a lot of pace in their attack, high line, and twice they did us. And it's like, like we never, ha- why were we ever in that position? I don't know why we had to do that. Like, there was no need for that. You know, that's sort of how you sit when you're chasing the game, when you're losing the game. Not when you're, when it's 1-1, you've got the momentum, you're the, you've been the better team through 80, like 78% of the game. It really baffled me. And like, <laughs> Like like the first goal, I just felt it was quite soft, just very easy. Everything wrong, they you know they, they took them well. Um, and everyone keep made a good point after the game. It doesn't matter how well you play; it's all about how many times you put the ball in the net, right? And it's a painful one. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, a painful I, mate, one. I get it. I get it. And yeah, that high line it is what has undone us on both of those goals. And I don't know, like obviously when you're at the game, you maybe don't watch it quite as intently you maybe you've got other stuff going on you're singing you're seeing what's going on around you and um so I had a look back at the goals today and just some of the second half and I don't know I was just trying to work out well what made us look so vulnerable in that kind of position and I guess the only thing I can think of is that obviously when you've got Zinchenko playing you know you haven't got that traditional back four you know there are going to be spaces there are going to be gaps and whether in hindsight was this the game for a flat back four you know with Tierney for example you know you could have played Zinchenko favor further forward maybe but I don't know with that kind of flat back four you know you've not got Zinchenko kind of going into those kind of more advanced areas you know he's sitting more inside again I don't know if I'm just being more harsh but do you think there's anything into that at all the fact that you know with those gaps appearing, that's what made us more vulnerable. And, you know, obviously playing that higher line, 
with Zinchenko then in front of them as well. You know, we really were leaving ourselves with, you know, an uphill battle if they managed to play the right ball. It's 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 hard to sort of pinpoint because those two have been so solid this season. You know, Saliba and Gabriel, they've really sort of, um, you know, merged this you know, really good partnership, very, very encouraging. So to see that happen, you know, twice in, in, in this, this very short space of time and to be undone in a very similar manner. Um, if I'm honest, I, I was just left sort of sat there staring at the TV thinking, how the how are we not only lose it, but are we free one down? Like, how has that happened? Like, just couldn't get my head around it. Maybe it wasn't the substitutions. You know, he bought, who did he bring on? Bought on Vieira, uh, Smith Rowe, and Nketiah. He went very attacking. Um, you know what? I wonder if that was partly fitness as well, though. Like, you know, Zinchenko, Erdegaard, you know, they had knocks. They hadn't, there were doubts for the game. So I wonder if the medical staff literally had said to them before the game, look, they've got 70 minutes in their legs or they've got 65 minutes in their legs. And maybe yeah. that is why he had to make the substitutions he did. I think bringing on three at the same time, you know, we said at the time, well, oh, that's ballsy, like making three substitutions, you know, and I thought it was a little bit strange that that was the game he chose to bring on Vieira for his kind of, Premier League baptism of fire as such. But when he came on, he showed some nice touches and showed that he had a bit about him. But after making three substitutions, there's always going to be that thought of, well, was it because of the substitutions? Mm. I think he's left himself open to a, a little bit of criticism there. But I don't think the third goal and the second goal are that much different in terms of the way that they were scores. And I think even if those three players wouldn't have been on the pitch. I think the goal would have still been scored in the same way. If he pulls that off and we go on to win the game, he's a hero. It, it was a gamble. It was bold, right? Yeah, it showed courage, didn't it? And But we just had to kill the game. I think Arteta said it in his post-match press conference. You, you know, when you have that much possession, when you have that many touches in, in the box, you have to take your chances. You have to kill the game. And Interestingly, you know, stat from the game, we had 47 touches in the box. They had nine. So it just shows you that we were, you know, we were in the right places. Oh, superior. We just, yeah, we just couldn't, we just couldn't pull the trigger. But no, I think we'll, you know, we alluded, to, we allude to it. The media allude to it. We are still the youngest team in the Premier League. We're being managed by the youngest manager in the Premier League. You know, we are going to have days like this where it doesn't go our way and, you know, we've got a good opportunity in the weeks ahead now with Everton at home and Brentford away to think that we can get back on the horse and hopefully we'll just put this down to experience and they'll learn from this and we'll move on. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. But we, listen, we, if, if someone sit at the start of the season, would you know, we win five out of your first six, you'd be like, hell yeah. So um, it's, the, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. Do you think it takes the target off our back a little bit as well? I think that's the only positive that I see. Obviously, the longer that unbeaten run went going, you know, the media were talking it up and obviously everyone in the league wanted us to lose. So, you know, in a weird kind of way, I see it as being a positive as well. The fact that that target has been taken off our back. Yeah, it does almost alleviate that stress and that pressure. It's funny though, isn't it? Because, you know, the press and the media and other fans are all sort of gunning for Arsenal to lose, but it's it's not actually Arsenal fans who are there. You know, no, no one at Arsenal is saying we're going to win the league. We just, we're just winning games of football and we're enjoying it. But hey-ho, what are you going to do? 
Um, I do think, like we, like we touched upon earlier, like I do think Man United, I think psychologically, it's, there's just something about that ground, that team. Like, you know, I, I was looking back, you know, at some of the, some of the records when, when we played them. And, you, you know, you go back to that invincible period. So like, obviously, 0102, we won the double. Um, quite rather fittingly, we won it at Old Trafford. Following season, you know, uh, we lost there in the league. Then we drew two all at Highbury. We beat them in the FA Cup that season. Following season, which was Invincibles, we drew twice, nil-nil in the famous um, Randy Steroy penalty. And then we drew one all at Highbury. And that season, they, they beat us in the FA Cup. And then the following season, they, they obviously ended on beating record and then beat us 4-2 at Highbury. Um, my point is, like, you know, that was one of, not just the best Arsenal teams, one of the best teams in the Premier League of all time. That bunch of players, Vieira, Henri, Burkamp, Perez, Lundberg, Campbell, Cole, you know, they had it all. And even back then, like, we could barely get any results up there. So, I don't know, maybe it just... It's just not meant to be. It's not meant to be, James. Yeah, spot on, mate. Spot on. But hey, we'll see what happens. And it was still a good away day. I mean, it's just um, unfortunate. I mean, you called it, didn't you? You said you didn't want to go and you knew what was going to happen and optimistic. <laughs> to be fair, I, I did say it. I said, and um, James, the other James. He hasn't stopped going on to me all week about bottling away days. And I said, I hate going up there. I hate losing to him. And I know we're going to lose. And it'll just piss me off even more. So I'm not going. You know, it's, it's one thing losing to him in the comfort of your own home. But being there, listening to 70,000 of their mugs, waffling on. No, not for me. Not for me. <laughs> what time, I have interest. What time did you get home? Uh, not as bad as it could have been i think i was about half past nine ten o'clock that's oh. not so bad yeah it wasn't it's a long bad. day oh yeah the long day, day though isn't it oh yeah absolutely. long day long day and didn't have a train so i didn't have a seat back on the train either i was sat between um the carriages but yeah that would Lovely. have been a lot sweeter with a win but no it was did you have a sore head did you have a sore head monday morning oh, a little bit fragile yeah <laughs> <laughs> Not great. Well, you know what? I think we'll finish this segment with your old famous catchphrase is that we didn't let the football ruin a good day at the football. Absolutely. I, I, I um, heard you mention that last week and I was like, go James. James James knows. So let's put that in the bin. It's done now. Um, we haven't got to play there again, hopefully. We, we, maybe we'll go and beat them there in the FA Cup this season. Who knows? But um, so Thursday, big game, massive game. I actually thought we were at home. I didn't realise we were actually away uh, at Zurich. Um, you can tell I'm not with it this week. This is, this is what this is what happens when we lose United. I'm just in my head's in the bin. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, mate. I don't know anything about FC Zurich, and I'm not even going to pretend to. So I was sort of hoping that you might have something prepared, maybe a small monologue, a PowerPoint presentation. Um, I can give you a few little bits and pieces. Uh, See, I knew you. I knew you'd be prepared. Uh, no, just well, not as prepared as I, I could have been. But no, a few little bits and pieces. Um, they're not playing that well so far this season, from what I've looked at. I think they won the league last year, but they've started off this season with um, five losses and two draws, and they're almost Ooh. at the bottom of the Swiss league. So they're definitely looking okay. for a result to get some confidence building back with them. 
Um, other than that, though, not a huge amount to know about FC Zurich. I'm, you know, they're not really that, a name that I've come across. Um, and that conclu- and that concludes <laughs> <laughs> that concludes a pre-match chat on uh, jokes aside. Um, this is uh, for Arsenal. This is an opportunity to see, you know, the likes of Vieira. My quick, my quick, I can't, I can't pronounce his name. Marquinhos. Marquinhos. Like these players who we don't really, we haven't really seen much of anything at the uh, moment. So I'm excited to see the likes of them. I will be quite interested to see, you know, the 11 on Thursday, just because I look at that squad and I don't actually see as much depth as people make out. Um, You know, even before Partey got injured or um, Pepe left, I also felt like we needed another defensive midfielder we needed another winger um and the fact that you know we've loaned out Ainsley we've loaned out Pepe Bellerin's gone and I get it they were done they were washed up they were never going to get in the first team and it was sort of like we're just basically waiting for their contract to run down I get that but I don't know you've, you've got to have a plan B we can't solely rely on 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 the youth team because we just I just don't think we've got enough quality and I do worry about playing Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, just because I just don't see the depth there at all. Um, you know, especially in the midfield. You know, you look at our fixture lists over like October. It's just intense. October, November, there's a lot of games, and um, I don't know. It's it's going to be a real, real test because I think you know with our starting eleven, we can beat anyone. But when we're playing over two competitions. It's going to be very interesting, right? Yeah, I think what makes it probably a little bit more tricky as well is that since we've last been in the Europa League, there's a there's higher stakes from, from, from the group now because if you win the group, you get a bye through the first knockout round. So obviously, and with the Conference League as well, there isn't quite the same number of real kind of low quality teams that there was in the competition as well. I mean, you look at the group we've got this year compared to groups we've had in the in the Europa League in the past. Like we walked through those groups previously, whereas, you know, with PSV, with Zurich, they are a little bit more of a challenge for us. And I think that because we have the opportunity to win the group and then, you know, skip around. I think you will see us going a little bit stronger in the initial stages. And it wouldn't surprise me if you do get a few of these kind of starting 11 players drafted into some of the initial um, starting lineups. But no, more than anything, I'm just excited to see, like you say, some of these players that we haven't got to have a great look at so far. That Marquinhos, when from what I've seen of, you know, the clips doing the rounds in terms of what he's done for the uh, for the youth team so far, he looks really exciting, looks strong, looks quick, you know, and if he's anything like a, a certain Martinelli, then hopefully we've got another gem on our hands. And um, I think it will be nice for Xhaka as well, obviously going back to Switzerland and I'm sure he'll want to play, you know, especially with... Is he going to play, is he? This is what I mean though, right? This is, this is my point, like, we're, what, week six? <laughs> and it's like... Oh well, we've not we've not really got <laughs> many options. Basically, we've basically got about fifteen players, sixteen well, maybe. Well, shall we try and go for it? So, yeah, I mean, so you're going to have so Turner's going to start, isn't he? He's going to get the yeah. minutes over Ramsdale at the back. You're going to have well, I was going to say Tommy Asu play right back, but you probably have Cedric. Cedric, Cedric will play right back, probably centre half pairing of 
Tommy Asu holding, and then you would have thought give Tierney some more minutes. So I think that's a relatively changeable back back four and the goalkeeper at least. I'd say the back line is the only place where we've got a bit more depth. Yeah. And versatility. Because you go into midfield, you've got Stan Midakonga, Xhaka or Zinchenko in that holding midfield role. Well, I think you've got to play Sambi just to give him the minutes and to get him up to speed. I think it's probably a good opportunity that he's going to have this game to be able to play, I would say. But And then, no, you've, you've got to play. I think that's why you'll see Xhaka play because I think Zinchenko needs a rest. I think he wasn't fully fit for United at the weekend. So no. I think that's another reason why you'll see Xhaka play. And then moving further forwards, I think it would have been an opportunity for Smith-Rowe to stake a claim. But like you say, it sounds as if he's pulled up in the call down after Man United. So it doesn't look like he'll play. Erdegaard needs a rest. Jesus needs a rest. So I don't know. I guess maybe... Saka definitely needs a rest. Well, yeah. This is, so... this is what this is what I mean. Like you look at it and you think, it's all well and good saying, well, we need to rest them. We need to rotate them. Who, who are we bringing in for them? They're just We just don't have the players. Um, yeah. It, it just sort of strikes me as like, you know, even without the injuries, I just think we are incredibly light on the ground to be going into four competitions this season. It's going to give us headaches. And I think moving into the season, it's going to give us even more headaches. I mean, I think they're probably gambling on the fact that they can try and get to the World Cup and then hopefully try and make another move in January. I mean, it's. I do feel sorry for them a little bit because I think central midfield... For me, it wasn't a massive issue, but then to get injuries to El Nene and Partey at the same time, I think that's unlucky. And I think the club did try to do something about it. I think obviously you see us push hard for David Louise, but then sorry, not, I knew I was going to say David Louise. <laughs> and you know what? That's not, I'm really happy uh, to sign him just for that reason, because I knew I would have been calling him David Louise for the whole season. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't get hold held over the barrel for kind of and paying way too much for a player that we potentially didn't want. But no, I get it, mate. And it is going to be hard and we probably do need more depth. But if you look at the number of players that have gone out of the club, we've completely turned it around, haven't we? And I think, uh, when do you ever get everything you want from a transfer window? I think the business we have done has been fantastic. I think we're always going to go a little bit light into this season just because you can't fill every single gap um, because we just haven't got the unlimited resources that some of these clubs have I mean I get that and I I do agree with that but when you think about Thomas Partey and how injury prone he is you know even with a fit Alneni you know Alneni is only really a squad player Um, and Sammy Lukonga you know long way to go so it only really leaves you with Partey and Xhaka as your main two throughout the season Um, but listen I do think you're right. And I think it's a weird season. This year. You know, we get to the end of the World Cup starts. Is it like right at the beginning of December, right? Yeah. Is it, or is it, late, is it late November? Late November, so I think. We, so it's not that long away. So, and it's not that many games. So if you can get to there and, you know, we'll see where we're at. And I'd like to think that, you know, there will, there will be opportunities to, to strengthen the team. Um, but you're like on FIFA when you like play that play that player and he's not even got like an official face. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, it's got like the number 87 shirt. Yeah. It's going to be a whole load of those. 
I guess um, the only thing, look, I think trying to end it on an even more positive note. I mean, you look at some of these kind of youngsters that came through the last time we were in the Europa League group stage. You know, it did give a platform for Smith Rowe, for Saka, for some of these players to get minutes. I mean, unfortunately, I don't think the next crop are quite ready yet. But, you know, we might no. see some, uh, we might see a few names on the bench, maybe players get a few minutes. So, yeah, I just see it as more of an opportunity to see a few players we haven't seen yet. And obviously, if we can get minutes in, into their legs, like I alluded to earlier on, I thought it was bizarre that he chose that game to throw Vieira into the mix, you know. So next time he does yeah. throw Vieira into the mix, if he's got this game, he's got the Europa League the week after, hopefully he'll be a little bit more prepared for it. Do you want to head on to the questions or, or did you want to talk about everything at all? Um, I think the only notable thing to talk about would be our old mate Mope is now at Everson you know and we've obviously got the um, feelings of what he did with Leno and you know the injury that caused Leno so I'm sure the crowd will give him some pelters if he gets any minutes and I do think it's a good game for us to come back to I think it does give us the opportunity to get back on the horse and you know they haven't got much I mean Jordan Pickford looks in good form against Liverpool the other day but other than that, I just see us having the opportunity to get three points on the board, instill a bit of confidence moving into the next part of the season and hopefully put the United game to bed. Yeah, I think it's very winnable. It's very winnable. Um, and the fact that we're at home as well. I am largely confident. I don't rate Frank Lampard. I don't rate Everton. I think they're a very average team. And to be fair, you know, I, they were a little bit unlucky against Liverpool. They, they had a goal chalks off, which was very close. But you know, Pickford basically kept them in that, didn't he? So, listen, I, I, I don't think we have anything to worry about on Sunday. Famous last words. Famous last words. Um, and just once again, James won't be there because he's going on one of many holidays. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving oh. on. So, I... I did ask uh, the listeners for some questions. We didn't get any fan failures this week, which I was a bit disappointed about, but we've got some questions. Um, so I'll just roll them off and we, we can chat. I'm, I'm, I'm sure some of the stuff will come up more than once or what we've, some of the questions that we've already sort of talked about already. Um, so <laughs> James 93 AFC, are you bottling every away this season? <laughs> thanks James. Thanks for you. <laughs> thanks for your input there, mate. Uh, you can do one. Um, uh, since when does VAR referee the game? Um, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that handle because I would probably murder it. Um, James, since when does VAR referee the game? It appears to be the, this weekend. Literally, I yeah, I, I don't really know how. You, I don't really know what the question is. <laughs> to no, be honest, I, I just um, I think we've been there, done that with VAR. Been there, mate. Done it's that. just oh, yeah, Romeo on, Dern, right? Re done with it. Yeah. Done with it. Another name that I'm not going to butcher. Uh, would you change the back four for Everton? No, I don't think we've got any reason to change the back four. I mean, I do feel a little bit sorry for Tommy Asu because, you know, whenever he's been in an Arsenal shirt, he hasn't put a foot wrong. But unfortunately, he got injured at the wrong time. And I know there's been a little bit of criticism with regards to Ben White, but I don't understand it personally. I think he's been one of our standout performers. I think he's looked really good in that right back slot. And um, I think unless there's an injury concern, I would keep the same team or the same back four for Everton at least. You know, there's a lovely little partnership between Saliba and Gabriel. 
I guess the only thing would be if Zinchenko's fit, but you know, I'm happy with Tierney being drafted in for that left back slot. And that's one of the areas which we've got fantastic depth this season. So, you know, if they need to rotate, then albeit. Yeah. That falls nicely actually into the next question. Uh, Thomas underscore the, the underscore stout. Uh, do you think Ben White will shift the number six role to shore up the defence? See, I actually think this is actually a good point and a good option. Good on the ball. You can put Tommy right back and put Ben White in that midfield next to Xhaka. Break glass in case of emergency. I think, yeah, you do play him there and he has got experience there. He plays during his loan spell at Leeds, I think he did end up playing a lot further forward. I don't think he spent much time playing in defence when he was playing for Bielsa. But then Bielsa's a very different kind of manager, the whole man-marking thing. So I don't know. I kind of see it as one of these kind of... Uh, we've seen it over the years, haven't we, that you get a ball-playing, skillful midfielder and then people jump on the bandwagon of them moving them further forward. You know, I think people... I don't like to mention his name, but people talk about Rio Ferdinand kind of playing further forwards. And I don't know. I just think he's, I would rather keep him where he is, but break glass in case of emergency option. Yeah, absolutely. Bring him forward. like it. I like it. Uh, Mark Watkinson, 46, asks, do you think we needed that game against United to fix up before Spurs, Liverpool and City? It's a good point, actually. It's a good point. A little bit of a, Humbling, right? Um, sometimes, you know, uh, a defeat is the best sort of medicine. Yeah, no, I get that. And I think it's, I go back to my point from earlier on, I, I do think we had a target on our back and I think that would have helped. I think we've out the spotlight a little bit more because of that defeat. And I do think that, yeah, we we'll, would have gone back to the training ground this week, maybe with not quite the joy and the optimism and excitement we've had in the early part of the season. But then, you know, if that makes us work that little bit harder this week, then yeah, albeit. Albeit. Philip underscore oh why. Um I wish people had easier handles, honestly. Position for Calvin to forward his father's footsteps and become a decent referee. I think you mean follow in his father's footsteps, become a decent referee. Um there we go, Calvin, if you're listening. Follow your father's footsteps and become a decent referee. Uh Tom Bed for 14. This is a good question. Favourite hindsight player of the Emirates era wasn't rated before, but looking back, was actually quite good. Um, William, William Gallas? <laughs> oh, God. Emirates era. Um, I always had a real soft spot for Thomas Rizitsky. And I think that if he could have stayed fit, he would have been, you know, a lot more influential to that Arsenal team. But what an option to have off the bench and the fact that he could play so many different positions, you know, you could play him wide, you could play him central. He did seem to have a lot of versatility from that perspective. And he always wore his heart on his sleeve. And mm. yeah, I think he was maybe not, you know, yeah, we celebrate him for some of the goals he scored and he did love a goal against Spurs, didn't he? But um, maybe just his injury problem stopped him from being rated as highly as what he could have been rated. But no, I, I'd have him down as my shout. So I would disagree because I think he is a real cool hero and I think he's such a fan's favourite. Um, so I wouldn't say he's a, a hindsight player. In that what about Serge Gnabry? Oh, yeah, he didn't. Oh, <laughs> hindsight no, player. No, yeah, exactly. I guess the only other one then, all right, if you've 
maybe if I've not answered that very well, I guess hindsight, but it's difficult again, because I look at someone like Matteo Genduzzi and when he first came in and some of the performances he put in, he looked fantastic. And I could imagine him yeah. playing in this team now, but it was just his mentality, weren't it? That let him down. And I think, you know, from some of the stories I hear of what he's doing in France, I don't think that's gone away. So I think if we were no. talking about pure football ability, then yeah, he would have been a good shout as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, Matthew Wick asks, uh, which players have you met and who was the least enjoyable to meet? Who have you met, James? I've met big Tony Adams. He was How really was he? good fun. Yeah, really good fun. But it was. Did, did you offer him a drink? Did I offer him a drink? No, I didn't offer him a drink. Oh, I don't know. With, do you know what? I've, like When I did meet him, I properly went. I turned into a teenage schoolgirl. I literally couldn't barely open my mouth. I just got so nervous and I wanted to ask him so many things. And I ended up just stuttering and fumbling my words. And so I didn't end up getting up the chat with him that I would have liked to have had. But no, he so was really was nice the way, and really right? genuine. Yeah, exactly. So I think he'd probably be... Nice. I met Lee Dixon as well. He was really nice, friendly, and you know, he would. I think he's just one of these people who loves football. But um, no, I, I haven't met he's, anyone in the current squad. I met Nigel Winterburn on that Legends tour. I've met Rora Pires when he was at Villa. He didn't really say much. He just sort of signed my thing, took a photo, and grunt and grunt and went thank you. Um, I met Martin Keogh on the train. He was oh, lovely. How was that? Very nice. Oh. Yeah, it was great. He travels, he lives in Oxford. He regularly travels back around, he's usually on like the 12, 50 or 13, 50 back to Oxford on a Friday when he's on TalkSport. Just giving, yeah, it out, really just nice. giving out that personal travel information there, mate. Um, I didn't say where from though. <laughs> mate, I'll uh, but he's lov- we'll work it out. <laughs> you, he's, you know he, that as well as me. Yeah, he, he's lovely. Um and I'll tell you who I, actually, I've met quite a few times. And I've actually talked to him today. Andy Townsend from, um, well, he's on TalkSport, from, former Aston Villa and uh, Ireland. Who else did he play for? I can't really remember. Something to tell us from Man United, but I could have that completely Maybe. wrong. Anyway, that's enough rambling for one evening. James, it's been great having you on, mate. And um, I'm sure I will speak to you again soon. 